Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. If you're listening to this right now, it might be interesting because this episode does not have a number and this is a bonus episode. We hardly ever do these, but we do these when there's something really, really important to share, especially something new in an industry or something that we wanna get in front of you as soon as possible. So I'm really, really excited because today we're gonna be talking about community and specifically we're gonna be talking about a particular tool that helps enhance communities. And we have very, very much experienced so much of this tool recently with the recent launch of SPI Pro, recently had Matt on to talk about the launch of that. Speaking of Matt, guess what? He's here with us today too. What's up, Matt? How are you? Hello, hello. It's great to be back, Pat. <laughs> I think one of the last times we chatted, we actually talked about the launch of our community, SPI Pro. Tell us a little bit about now that we're several months ahead of that or forward of it. What is building this community done for the business and just the people in it? I think it's validated a lot of our longer term vision and, and thinking for where, you know, we need to continue to play a really important role in the industry. Private membership communities, you know, have been around for a while, but I think with just what's even happening in the world right now, you know, people are craving, you know, these forms of interactions more. So our ability to bring that to bear through SPI Pro that we launched last summer was very, you know, well-timed and, and has just been uh, a tremendous source of inspiration even for us to see just how well, you know, our members have really rallied behind that sort of an ecosystem and have leaned into that opportunity to meet other people and support themselves. It's been the biggest, I think, joy and certainly one of the, the most strategic things that we have done on the business side for SPI probably in the last couple of years. So for anybody listening to this who's interested in building community, which hopefully you all are in some way, shape, or form, and perhaps you've tried a Facebook group or other systems to bring communities together, we feel that we found something that works really, really well. And this is why exactly this episode exists, because we wanted to bring on the founders of the tool that we're using. It's called Circle. And although we will be talking about Circle, a lot of the principles and things that we're going to be discussing today are just about community in general. And in fact, Circle, which we do have an affiliate link for, we'll mention all that stuff later, is now one of the most integral parts of our business and so, so important to us that we just had to share it with others too. And in this episode in particular, you're going to hear specifically an introduction to Sid, who's the co-founder, and just why community is something we should be focusing on 
right now, right? And there's so many of us that have been trying Facebook groups and stuff, and those things work, but when we really want a long-term sort of community that we own and that we can control, that we have some ability to craft into whichever direction we want, it's important to have control over this, and, and this is why doing this out of Facebook is key. So I'll be interviewing Sid at first, and then Matt, you go into a really cool roundtable discussion with the team. What do you guys talk about during that portion of the talk here? Yes, in the second segment is the roundtable conversation with all the Circle co-founders, actually. So we have Sid back on the call along with Andy and Rudy. So it's the four of us together having a really fantastic, more in-depth conversation on you know why they sensed an opportunity to, say, leave Teachable. A lot of them got their start from Teachable that we know and love. So we unpack that story more, their own origin story for them as individuals, for them as friends you know, during their Teachable days, and why they felt that this wasn't just a small thing for the future of creators in the, you know, the creator economy, but why this is actually a big thing and one of the biggest things. It's not a, you know, a flash in the pan, right? You know, th- this is something that so many of us, and certainly us at SPI, but even others, uh, a lot of others are paying much more attention to as an integral component to both their brand building as well as their business building. And it's an absolutely great story of just how to do a startup right from the research to the partnership to all that stuff, all that stuff is in that segment. And then we end with a roundtable with you, Matt, and Jillian, Mindy, and Jay, who are on our customer experience team and community experience team. And can you talk a little bit about what people can look forward to within that? Absolutely. So in segment three with Jay and Jillian and Mindy, you know, we really talk about the nuts and the bolts on the inside of, you know, SPI and what community means to us and why, you know, integrating a platform like Circle is so, you know, necessary for our vision and what we're trying to accomplish because we've only just started. I, I know I've mentioned that even, Pat, you know, back on the episode when we talked about launching SPI Pro, you know, this isn't the end. It's just the beginning. What can we do to keep pushing the envelope forward and continue to, through SPI, teach what we know, as we always do and as you always do, so that other people that maybe share the same compassion for community can follow, follow suit? Yes, you're almost getting an inside look. You know, you're going through the factory doors and you're seeing how it's all made. And we're just going to be talking about it very openly and honestly. And we're still figuring things out, too. And I think that's the cool thing about this. You can kind of see us and imagine our brains working as we go and are trying to provide value to the audience. And so if you're at all interested about community and you're wondering how it all works, how we're building the team, how we're actually managing the community, as well as the tool, and I'm just going to be upfront with you. For those of you listening, you might be like, oh, Circle, you keep talking about Circle. Yeah, because this is an absolutely amazing tool. I'm not going to lie. We are an affiliate for it. Matt and I are both advisors to the company as well. And as you know, I'm always fully upfront with you. But we wouldn't be those things if we didn't believe that this tool was absolutely game-changing for you and the community that you could potentially look into. Now, again, you don't have to go to, to Circle. You can go to a different one, and that's totally fine. We just want you to get value here and to understand community is important, how to manage it, and whichever tools you choose to use, great. But we highly recommend checking out Circle, and you'll hear why at the end. And so links and everything in the show notes, but why don't we just get to the episode? Yeah, let's do it, Pat. All right, so I think that's been enough talking. Let's just dive right in. Here is me and one of the co-founders, Sid, talking about just community and why this is so important right now. Sid, welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today, man. Hey, Pat. Thanks so much for having me on. 
I'm so excited to talk about Circle. Of all the things that happened in 2020, probably the number one request we've had is we need more information about Circle and how it develops community. And definitely we're going to dive into that today. But before we get to that, first of all, I'd love to hear just kind of your origin story as an entrepreneur to begin with. And we'll tie all this together in the end. But tell us a little bit about you and sort of how you got here. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in New Zealand. I've lost the accent now. I moved over to the States when I was 22. I just happened to join a startup called Teachable. So I was the first designer, front-end hire, and you know walked into WeWork downtown New York, met this group of dudes, and it was like, okay, these guys are up to something interesting. You know, There's something interesting going on in the, the online courses world. And I really didn't realize what the ramifications of it were. I was just like, you know, there's something happening here and these guys seem cool. Little did I know that, you know, I basically entered into this movement. So from a personal perspective, my career just sort of, essentially the job that I had changed every three months. So started as an IC designer, became Teachable's first product manager. Eventually I was managing a product team of 4PMs, a design team. When I left last year, the company was about 100 people. So really watched that company grow internally. And then from the, the business perspective, watch the creator movement evolve. And really, that's where I got the passion for the creator space. And that, that's what led me to Circle. Yeah, and many people who are listening to this know about Teachable, know I'm an advisor for Teachable. And Anker has been on the show before to talk about online courses and how important that is. And that's been absolutely instrumental in my career and here at Team SPI, just the ability to create online courses that can help people learn and transform. And that's really, really important. But there's another side of this learning process. It's not just the content, it's also the community aspect of it. And I'd love to know a little bit more about why you and your team decided to sort of, I mean, you literally branched out or essentially stopped working at Teachable to start Circle. And I'm curious, like, why was that such an obvious thing for you to do? Why is community something that we should be focusing on? Yeah, um, so, so it wasn't obvious at, at first. So, you know, when I left back in April last year, I knew that, I wanted to start my own company. You know, it's one of the, the reasons I actually immigrated from New Zealand was to become an entrepreneur. So after five years, I was like, okay, I kind of feel ready, but I don't have a specific idea. All I know is there's something about inspiring about building for creators in that it's not like you're building for hundreds of millions of consumers and you don't know what the persona is. Like, you know, these guys, like you meet them at events, you hang out with them and you really feel that connection that I don't think you do with a consumer startup or something that's super B2B enterprise. So, you know, I, I knew that that's where my focus was going to be, but it was really a four to five month incubation period that led us to community. The way we started out, we meaning my uh, my two co-founders, both also now ex-teachable, we started to essentially have conversations with anyone who would talk to us. And most of them happened to be teachable course creators. And we would ask them very open-ended questions. So things like, you know, what are you excited about? Uh, in the next year, where are you looking to for the growth of your your business or your course business, your audience? And really, where, where are your pain points? So show us your stack, you know, give us a sense of your day-to-day and what, what that's like. And after many, many of these conversations, we started to hear two things. So one, almost everyone we spoke to spoke about the importance of community. So they would talk about the value of building an audience that's engaged they use the word you like a lot, super fans. And uh, at a high level, it was kind of like, yeah, it, it makes complete sense. The community is very important to, to have a shelf life as a creator. And then when we started digging into their stack and the products that they used and 
the integrations that they had to make possible to make it all work together. It just didn't feel like this was the ideal experience, both for the member and for the creator to actually, you know, set up an online community, set up an experience that brings together their their audience, their content, their payments, all of that stuff. It just didn't feel like it was nailed at all. And that's where we saw the opportunity. You know, you may have an online course on Teachable or a similar product. You may have, let's say, a YouTube channel, and then you have this Facebook group that sort of sits there. And your your students, you know, on the one hand, they're happy to have an avenue where they can meet like-minded folks, but it never felt like it was an integrated experience for a lot of folks. And at the same time, they would tell us, you know, communities where I'm looking to for the next year. Yeah. And we even saw like in 20 or late 2019 and, and mid 2020s, Facebook promoting groups even more, right? Getting really into putting even money behind the promotion of their groups. And I, I remember commercials on TV about certain groups and it was just really interesting. But I think we also know and have felt in the past what it might be like to build a community on a free platform and all of a sudden either have it taken away from us or have to pay to play or have people see stuff. And when you're building in somebody else's sandbox like that, it can be very dangerous. And I think we've all experienced that before, which is why when I came across Circle, first of all, thank you, Encore, for just the initial sort of pointing toward your direction. And my partner, Matt, and I have fallen so much in love with Circle, in fact, that we're now advisors for the company, just like with what we felt with Teachable. And it just solves a very specific problem that we've had. And we know our creators here who are listening to SPI also have too. For those who maybe aren't as convinced that community is the place to be or the thing to create, I'd love to hear from your perspective as somebody building solutions in this space, why is that a mistake to sort of let community go by? Yeah, really the thing, the goal for any creator or brand should be to have a shelf life, right? You may start off building an email list around a specific interest, a specific niche. You may have a product or two that you launch, you know, whether it's an online course or an ebook. But if you take the long-term view into really what you're looking to do, you're looking to build a, you know, sustainable business, something that actually can make you money, something that people are excited about over time, right? And really the thread that I see for most creators who go product to product, you know, who go article to article, is that community that you're building alongside it. So on the one level, you know, you're you're essentially building this group of people that are passionate about what you do, that have a shared interest. You're enabling them to meet each other. When they're meeting each other, they're talking about you. They validate your your importance to them. And in that way, they kind of welcome anyone new that that starts to follow you. And over time, what happens is, let's say you've been building online courses for years, you may then realize that, you know, you have a interested enough group of people that will actually pay you for a community experience that's that's more catered to them. And, um, you know, this speaks to what you've done with SPI Pro, but really what people are looking for with more established creators is to meet like-minded people in a more intimate fashion to get exclusive access to a creator like yourself. And that's really where the importance of having a white label solution, a platform that can house all of your stuff. So not just posts and comments, but your content, payments, a really integrated experience that you can actually position and brand. And that's where solutions like Facebook groups and Slack kind of just overstay their welcome, right? And and it's at that point where it's time for a creator to actually move on and look to a platform like us. 
What are some examples of communities that are using Circle that kind of might be surprising to us? It's interesting. It's like every single day we, we hear of a community that we would just never think would use us. So we, we have a community dedicated to, let's say, beer science. That, that was very interesting to me. And this, awesome. this group of folks that are super into that, they're scrapbooking communities. I find the more interesting examples to be in that realm where it's not just the fact that people are fans or of a product. There's, there's things to actually share and learn from each other. Or if, if I'm just a fan of a creator, right? And if, if I'm consuming your content on Instagram, let's say, you know, that's interesting. But if I'm learning from, from your audience, from, from people who are like me, I'm actually building connections that may lead me to a better career and better outcome. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. We see it in SPI Pro, of course, and we see not just people there to connect with our team, but they're connecting with each other. They're supporting each other. Certain people have literally stepped up to lead conversations and to share certain things. And with the cool integrations with things like Loom and YouTube, it's just very simple to kind of share that information. When you were building Circle with you and your team, what were the what were the major things that you were like, we have to get this right? Because Facebook and LinkedIn groups and all these other places just aren't doing it. Yeah, so, so I think a big thing for us was giving creators the ability to design their community areas. What we saw with products like Facebook groups and even Slack and LinkedIn groups to some extent is, um, you know, the intentionality tends to be different based on what the creator is looking to do. So you may want a area dedicated in your community to just Q&As, right? And you wouldn't want that mixed up with introduction. So you wouldn't want that one linear newsfeed experience where, you know, someone's having a really interesting conversation about a certain topic. And then the next post you see is someone introducing themselves. And that's kind of where we started were, how do we take this linear newsfeed format that's that's very popular in products like Facebook groups and start to distinguish that? So we looked to Slack for some inspiration with the channels paradigm and we, we call them spaces. And that really empowers creators to, you know, design their experience from end to end. So if I'm a creator, I can think about what are the public spaces that would make sense. So maybe something like a blog could be housed within Circle, something like a showcase space where people are showing off their creations. And I may be okay to make that stuff public. Whereas if I have a paid membership or you know if I have an online course, I may want to crack open a private space that's dedicated for that single purpose. And that's really where we started to differentiate with these products because you know what happened is. I may have a Facebook group that's dedicated to all my fans, but what happens when I start my online course or what happens when I want to branch that out? It ends up being the case that most creators sort of bifurcate that experience. And that's where a lot of the messiness comes in. And we're able to unify that with with our paradigm. I always describe it as when people are like, okay, just tell me in like one minute, like, how would you describe it? I'm like, it's all the things you love about Facebook group in it and all the things you hate are out. And then it's all the things you love about Slack that are in it. And all the things you don't like about Slack are out. It's like you're just taking all the best and it's just this brilliant solution for building communities. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how do you keep a community thriving? I think a big worry that people have when you know building a community, whether it's a Facebook group or something on Circle, for example, is just like, okay, well, I just don't want it to be a ghost town. What if I set this up and nobody talks and it's just like empty? That would make me feel even worse. So I might as well not even try. How would you respond to somebody who's worried about that? Yeah, uh, I, th- I think you spoke to this before, but in the initial stages of community building, you know, it's it's about you as a creator being in there, being a little hands-on, kind of kindling that fire and really, you know, seeding something that can grow by itself, right? But your goal 
let's say after the first six months or 12 months, should be to not be as hands-on as you were in the initial days. So to the extent that you you see people really step up wanting to be community leaders, moderators, super contributors, right? I think that's one of the things we see tends to be very common in uh, communities that that sort of last, which is they're able to inspire the next generation of community leaders within their community to kind of take that to the next level. And it's not a linear thing where it's like I start a community and then the community has a end goal that might be like that for, let's say, an online course community. It's it's really you're looking to build that feedback loop and that long-term loop that leads your members to step up and kind of take over what the community ends up becoming. I love that answer. Thank you for that. The final question I have for you is, Sid, okay, people are listening to this. They're like, okay, Circle sounds great. It's a separate platform where I can take ownership of this community and I can really, you know, create this experience. But Facebook is free, dude. And so are these other platforms. What would get a person to actually pay to want to get access to this? Like it's it just, you know, for many, it just doesn't make sense when there are Facebook groups and everybody's on Facebook already. What's the incentive of a person actually paying to become a part of a membership? Yeah, it, it really depends on where you are in your creator journey. So, you know, there are a lot of creators when they're just starting out, let's say you don't have an audience yet, or you're just starting to build content. You know, we actually recommend Facebook groups to those those types of people because what we tell them is, hey, we're actually not going to help you with the discovery element. So you may want to look for an aggregator or some place to gain that visibility, right? And that's where th- those products really stand out. Right. But once you've established an audience, once you've established content, and your goal is then to take that to the next level by integrating an experience. So if you're starting a paid membership, if you're integrating community with an online course, if being white labeled is important to you. So the idea of like calling something SPI Pro, like, you know, how valuable is it that that lives on the SPI website under the SPI brand versus is seen as just a Facebook group, right? Mm -hmm. And that's really where we come in and we, you know, give you that sort of end-to-end solution that integrates everything in one place with these. And at the same time, you know, we have an iOS app, we're working on an Android app. So we're also looking into some of the more discovery elements. But I think right now we're probably better suited for folks who are further down that creator path and are looking for a platform to sort of bring everything together. I love that. And you got to realize, remember listening, everybody, is that you don't need a million people in here to do some amazing things. In fact, that would probably be too big for a community. (laughs) Like just a small group of people who can come together, who are in a safe space to communicate and be weird with each other. That's how I love to say it's like, you don't need a lot of people. If you had 100 people paying you, you know, $19.95 a month, I mean, you're making $2,000 a month there, right? And then imagine getting to just a 1000 true fans. That's a fan a day for less than three years to have somebody come in and support the the group and be a part of something and pay far less than they would for like coffee every week. It's like, it makes complete sense when you nail the messaging, you nail the positioning and you create this amazing community. If I may add one thing to that, people think that an engaging community is engaging like 90 plus percent of my members, right? And what we see frequently is you have this breakdown of you have the super fans or very engaged or contributing content. They, they may be producing content you have some group of folks who are more the likers and the commenters. They, they like to be in there, but they're not necessarily going to, you know, write long form posts or make videos. And then you have some people just observing and they may log in once a week 
an analogy we love to use is it's, it's almost like church for them. They'll show up once a week, you know, they'll get the value that they need out of it. And that's it. And it's really okay to have that. And you don't need to aspire to engage, you know, massive amounts of your audience as a percentage. Yeah. Love that. Thank you for that positioning. And and so I, I encourage everybody to continue listening because we're going to change gears here. We're going to go to Matt, who's going to host Sid and his partners for the leadership and discussion about the team and how this thing was put together and whatnot. So Sid, thank you for this first portion. This was amazing. I think it's inspiring and I can't wait to hear the rest of it. So here we go. Thanks for having me on. Hey everyone, it's Matt. Excited to be here for the in-depth conversation with the entire Circle team. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed Pat's interview with Sid up front in the first segment here. With me now is Sid again, plus his co-founders, Andy and Rudy. So Rudy, Sid, Andy, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having us on. Thanks, Matt. Great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. It's a thrill to just go deeper into a lot of these founding stories with entrepreneurs like you, companies like yours, at really interesting moments in your growth and inflection. So maybe to kind of really dig into more of those kind of behind the scenes things that perhaps aren't discussed as much said, I'm curious, way back when, you know, when you are at Teachable, and you started to get this itch for maybe something else. I'm always really curious to understand the hard decision. I imagine it was hard to consider leaving a really awesome job and, you know, a team at Teachable and Andy and Rudy, you know, you guys obviously at Teachable as well. Like, how did that decision go down, right? To say, okay, the creator economy is really taking off. Communities may be an avenue of growth that we want to participate in, but man, I have something so good right now. So how did you guys wrestle with that decision? Yeah. So I guess for me, uh, you know, I, I'd stayed at Teachable for five years. I'd started as a first IC designer, front-end engineer, really when I started, you know, there were three dudes out of WeWork in uh, downtown New York. And to go from there to where I was five years in, you know, I was managing a product team of four PMs. I had a design team. And really, the company was about 100, 100 folks by that time. So on the one hand, it had felt like a sense of accomplishment, like, like I'd scaled up a bunch, you know, I'd learned how to manage, I'd learned how to be an executive, I'd learned how to learn in a situation where your job literally changes every couple months. At the same time, kind of five years in, I had to ask myself, you know, is this what I want to do? Uh, and is this the thing that I want to be like the world's best at? So when I looked ahead as a VP of product, what I saw was, you know, my next job would have been to hire director of products. It would have been to scale the company from, let's say, 100 to 200 people. It was very operational. And not to say that that can't be exciting. I think for a certain type of persona, like they just excel at that. But for me, I'd always thought of myself as a as an entrepreneur. So kind of had to make that call and say, okay, you know what? I think I've done what I can given where I started. It's been a good run, but it's time to pass on the baton to someone that's say more experienced, someone who's who's done the scaling part of startups. And for me personally, just to go back to the ground floor and kind of discover other areas of opportunities in the creator landscape. So in that same time frame, it sounded like Rudy, maybe a similar headspace. 
how did that first conversation go? It sounds like Sid, perhaps you initiated it, you know, coming to Rudy and eventually Andy, you get pulled into this as well. Like how, how did that conversation go around? Like, Hey guys, I have this big, crazy idea. I think this is the right team. I want you guys as a part of this. Like, how did you guys start to then form that partnership conversation? Well, it was interesting. I uh, come from a little bit of a different background to these two. These two both stayed at Teachable for five-ish years. I spent six months there. And after my time at Teachable, I built a company that was specifically dealing with course creators. So working with a lot of uh, Teachable's high-end course creators. And that gave me, a, let's say, an insight from the other side of the fence, working directly with them, seeing what the problems were day to day and what they were trying to achieve. And uh, did that for a couple of years. And then Sid and I found ourselves on holiday in uh, Portugal. And the conversation started on a rooftop after a wonderful dinner one night. And it kind of just flowed from there. So on this rooftop, we, we had a bit of a conversation. And there was nothing sort of concrete about a specific idea. But we left that conversation basically saying, let's do something together. And then it evolved from there. So it was, uh, it was a wonderful evening. <laughs> I think between Rudy and I, in that one night, we probably went through like five different ideas. And Circle itself was maybe our 10th one as a whole that we talked about, but it was also the more obvious one. And it's interesting that we came back to the more obvious one after branching out to ones that were very different from, from this creator ecosystem. That's really interesting. So it's, it's the sticky one. It's the one that you know, made the most sense after you've scrutinized the market fit opportunity or just you know, other options. And yeah, I, I'm a believer that sometimes the obvious simple choice is you know, the best one. It's, it's, it's the one that most resonates probably with the other side of that conversation, you know, a potential customer, a potential fan, right? Andy, when did you get pulled into those conversations? And how did that feel to you being pulled into that? Well, you know, the truth is, I wasn't really pulled into it. I kind of forced my way into it. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I was going to be leaving people relatively soon. It was close to five years. I never thought I was I told Encore, when I interviewed, I was like, as soon as this company is above 60 people, I'm going to be out. But that happened like two years before. But I think there's like this thing that you look for when you're trying to figure out who to start a company with, where they have to have like very complementary skill sets. And if I'm being truly honest, Sid specifically, he was like the only person that checked all of those boxes for me. And so I knew it was either going to be like, I have to start a company with Sid right now, like this is the moment. And I have to kind of wedge my way in there and really like figure out how to make this happen. Or I just have to do something else. And and that's totally viable too. But I decided it was the right time. And so then, you know, I just was available. And I'd say from our perspective, really the thing that validated this idea specifically, because as, as I said, Rudy and I talked through so many other ideas. Is like, I think Andy was the first person we actually went to with this idea. And, you know, it was rare when we went to people with ideas that they'd get excited and amped up like that that wasn't the usual response the usual response i faced even with some of my best friends was was some level of skepticism questioning which they should right and honestly for a bunch of my ideas it was warranted like questions like is the market big enough or you know is, is this really that company you want to build or is it an interesting or fun side project right so when we went to or when i went to andy with this idea the level of excitement and conviction in our first couple conversations was was just something else. It was like, wow. That's fantastic. It's easy, I think, to kind of get excited about the idea phase. And that's kind of the honeymoon phase, I think, about that, right? I imagine like any startup, especially that has co-founders, like you got to work through some stuff. You got to be clear about roles and responsibilities. You have to formalize things. 
what were some of those maybe more awkward or if there was tension? And I know those are sometimes, you know, the harder things to talk about, but uh, I'm always really curious, especially when, you know, a partnership dynamic takes hold and clearly it's, it's working so well. You know, what were some of the bumps along the way? One thing that, that really helped us, really the first thing we ever collaborated on was this, was this document. I did the first draft and it was basically a vision and values doc. It was the most cliched thing in the world. But I, I found that it really helped us. So just stating up front, here's how we want to work together. We already knew that the skills were aligned. And this is just one other checkbox. So at that point, it was all about, you know, the standard back and forth around bringing on a co-founder, you know, what the equity split's going to look like. And something that helped is we hadn't raised around. There's no one even looped into this idea. So we didn't have to factor in anything else other than, you know, what's it going to take to excite Andy? And really, I think on the whole, it probably took less than like seven days. Seven days. That's very impressive. I, I The vision stuff, at least I, for one, don't consider that cliche. I think it's seminally important. I've led, you know, multiple teams in, in my past, including the SPI team with Pat, you know, through those exercises of making sure that, you know, the vision isn't only clear, but everyone's really bought into it, aligned to it. And it has even had a certain level of investment in forming it. So at least in our past, Pat and me, you know, we've included the team in the construction of even like the core values, for example, right? So there's a sense of ownership even across the team. So I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that you guys actually did that very early on. As entrepreneurs of all stripes, you know, even if they're solopreneurs, you know, and they're having conversations maybe with their spouse, right? It's like, okay, what is, what are we signing up for here, right? Like, what's the duration of this? How, how did those conversations go among the three of you kind of at that, that early moment around the vision? Well, one thing I think we were all pretty aligned on, certainly there were things that we wanted, but we also knew what we didn't want. So we had all just spent five years going really, really hard at Teachable, very like fast growth. And I think we were all a little bit, at least me and Sid specifically, we were kind of like, man, I just need like a few months, like, like hanging out here. And, and one of the best parts about like having other startup experience is that you get to learn and make improvements, like from role to role to role, you figure out like, okay, this is what I'm going to take with me. This is what I'm going to leave behind. Another thing that we talked about was like team sizes and like multiple levels of management. We wanted to be really efficient with the team growth. We said, Hey, you know what? Instead of growing, let's say three X would be the normal amount. Like what if we just grew, I don't know, two X or one and a half X or whatever it was. A lot of this is all changed. And up, but we started out super aligned on what we wanted. A lot, yeah, has changed in a year. Pat and I have seen some of that up close, which has been thrilling to see. So you had originally thought smaller, maybe slower, at least in you know some of the multiple sense. When things started to go faster, you know, was there any discord with like, hmm, maybe maybe this is getting away from us, or maybe this isn't again aligned to, you know, the original vision and and the size, or did you not necessarily feel that as tension and just kind of run with it? So one thing that made it easy is. You know, a couple of months after we had these conversations, we raised our first pre-seed round. So that was a $1.5 million round led by Notation Capital. Encore, CEO of Teachable, was one of our biggest investors. And one thing that round did is just set us up with a runway. And it meant that we had, you know, 24, 25 months of runway in the bank. And we were prepared for that, that organic speed up without having to worry a lot about, you know, capital efficiency, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing that happened was honestly bringing you guys on board 
as advisors, as our initial customers, bringing on Teachable as a customer, a, a bunch of these other organic customers just really showed up to our door. We didn't do much to attract them. So folks like MakerPad, Ann Lore, David Perel, Tiago Forte, like with these guys, it was like, wow, okay, like there's something happening here. And I don't think we for a moment resisted it. We were just extremely thankful that that anyone, you know, back then even wanted to use their product. I think there was something interesting that happened uh, early in the year. For example, we we raised some money in January. We started full-time in January. Andy came on in February. And in March, everything went down around the world. And there was just a conversation that started taking place online all over Twitter. Where's community? Who's building community? And we just happened to be there already uh, for for quite a few months and and had a product that that was ready to be used. Absolutely. I think that there should always be, I guess, accommodation for luck as a factor in success. You've crossed so many really fantastic milestones. Now you have different challenges. You're hiring a lot right now, full-time into the team. You guys have to think about culture. I don't know to what extent, from a leadership standpoint and a co-founder you know, team here, you guys have thought about you know, just the day-to-day responsibilities changing if those have changed at all. So how, how has that changed and what are you guys kind of you know, faced with now to just kind of keep it going? You know, one thing I think, I mean, I've personally been doing a lot more, especially in the last like month, two months, is every few days I'm kind of checking in and I'm like, how am I most likely to mess things up in the next 30 days? Like, what are my blind spots here? Because I think the biggest risk for us right now is like literally any one of us not really leveling up at the same pace as the business, essentially. And I think there's actually a much lower risk of that happening now that we have one kind of like real experience under our belt, the five years of Teachable, I think the the chances go way down. But that's something that I think all of us need to be thinking about all the time right now is like, okay, what are our blind spots? Where can we level up? What feels really hard right now? And we all have our own version of what feels hard right now. But that's, that's just something that I'm personally doing. Yeah, I mean, likewise, I think. So so one thing that's easy between us is division of responsibilities. Like, we're lucky in that our composition is such that you have Andy on growth and marketing, Rudy in design and product, and myself on primarily on product and sort of uh, running the company, right? That aspect is not something we have to figure out as much as, okay, well, you know, let's say, for example, maybe eight months ago, Rudy was doing a bunch of the the design work himself. I was doing a bunch of engineering work. And so back then we had to be like, well, you know, we have all this money, <laughs> we have all these customers. As much as, you know, we love design and code, how do we start building a real team? So once that phase, at least for me personally, was somewhat overcome, it's always on to the next phase. And really for me now, the challenge is shifting to not so much delegating my personal individual responsibilities as much as leveling up the leadership team as leaders. That speaks to me in part through like sometimes this this tension point between being the maker of the thing and then at some point, especially with with a company tech startup in particular, the leadership side. So the maker versus the leader. Do you guys feel that tension yet? Have you guys reached maybe a certain growth point where, yeah, like, you know, I built the thing and I'm still building the thing, but I have to build less. I have to be less the maker and, and have that on as my persona. And I have to kind of take that off because I have to 
hire. I have to invest in culture. I have to do more with management training. Like, it, it, has that presented itself yet at all, or is that maybe still on the horizon? Absolutely. I think one thing that's helped me is to realize that I can still do those things. When you become a manager, everyone tells you, "Look, you got to scale. Uh, you know, you can't be doing the the actual work." I think that was a mistake. Like, I think there needs to be a transition. First of all. Second, being in the trenches really helps you understand the root of the problems that you can then zoom out and solve from a holistic perspective. So when you're answering support tickets and you notice as you're doing it that four of the last 10 tickets you answered, let's say, mention something in, the, in an area of the product and that's very closely tied together, you realize, okay, there's something there that needs to be addressed, right? Or when you're pushing code and you realize that you know your your builds are taking too long, or your code or other other people's code is leading to to bugs in certain areas, you realize that there's something there that needs to be done. And so these are all signals that I can then use when I put my management hat back on to address more holistically. That's fascinating. How about Rudy for you? As you increasingly try to help run and lead the business, you know, deal with that tension versus just the maker side. I don't think you just put your hands up and things flow nicely. I think it takes a lot of work to to keep things simple and to keep things flowing. And and part of that is is something that you touched on earlier, which is culture. And so, you know, every hire that we make, we're we're very very let's say detail oriented around the person's impact on the rest of the team, both from a from a quality of of uh, skill, what they're doing, whether it's code or design, and also how they interact, how they communicate, and all these things. So we're very very sort of keen on, on building a, a fantastic culture along with a, a fantastic business and going back to the the visions and the values document a lot of that document was was not so much about let's say what revenue goals do we want to hit or anything like that it was really around what kind of life do we want to lead and and this uh, business being a great vehicle for all of us to achieve something a success in, in however we want to measure that as a team so that sort of filters to the top and and the three of us get to talk about these other perspectives that are coming in and how does that shape our thinking and it's been really a, a beautiful process very rewarding and uh and exciting it's a lot of the fun you know from also where i sit and, and where pat sits and how even we think about the future of spi and and very seriously as we've spoken about a number of times putting community at the center of our strategic thinking in our direction, right? So certainly there's there's a wonderful symbiotic relationship just between our two companies. It's the beating heart now of our business model, like on paper. So next year, hopefully will be a better year for all of us and the world will start to get its feet again. As you guys think about the maker side of Circle and what you're making, as you think about macroeconomically, the now, I think, power and, and increased significance of community in the world, digital community. What's the one thing that you're most excited about for next year? Let's maybe go backwards. Andy, I'll start with you. What are you most excited about for next year? You know, personally, I'm probably most excited about a lot of the product stuff. I'll leave that to, to Rudy and Sid to discuss. But I'm personally excited. This is not a sexy answer, but I'm excited about doing some of the in-person marketing stuff again. Like I'm excited about like seeing people out at a conference. I'm like connecting with customers face to face instead of over Zoom. That's not like the massive stuff that's going to move our business in a huge way, but it's what I'm actually most excited about now having just spent, you know, a year in this little room, which is my cat literary center. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I love that answer cuz that's community, right? It's so important to who we are as human beings and as leaders. 
And we've tried to infuse that as much as possible into SPI Pro and was the seminal choice, again, as to why we even chose Circle was because uh, the technology that you guys are building very much born of that same ethos and gives us like the latitude and flexibility from like a feature set standpoint to be able to try to build that, right? So uh, I actually love that, Andy. Uh, I'm glad you emphasize that. Rudy, how about you? Yeah, there's a few things that I'm excited about. I'm excited about what I get to work on every day and that will continue, which is uh, humanizing a user interface. That's a really beautiful problem to have to solve every day and to to go forward and try and make it better and better. And early in the new year, we're about to uh, to launch a whole new user interface, which will be uh, very exciting. And that's something that's coming down the pipes very soon. The other thing that excites me in general is is the business that we've chosen to build is very interesting in the fact that it's very fractal where we're building multiple communities. We're building a, an internal community of our team, which is one community that we have to build and a, and a community culture there that we have to build. We have a community of our customers, our direct customers, which is another community that we're building, which is, which is coming along really nicely. And then we're helping thousands of businesses build their own communities. So it's a big, happy family. <laughs> It's great to just, you know, get to, to wake up every day and to really go at that and solve those problems. And, and like Andy said, particularly on my side of the fence, what I do with design is, is trying to bring that human factor in there, even though it's an it's a increasingly digital world. So that's a problem that, that I love solving. All right, Sid, bring us home. What are you excited for next year? So I guess just to piggyback off what Rudy and Andy said, I'm excited about delivering on our roadmap. And that's the thing that builds trust with customers that frankly just builds community. And what I love about that is it's all authentic, right? There's a, the feedback loop is complete. The moment we deliver on a strategic promise that aligns with our customer needs. So that's one thing. And the other thing that actually relates to that is, you know, I'm excited about leveling up our own community and to dog food our own product and to be the best circle customer ourselves. I think the feedback loop that you gain from using your own product and really getting to experience all the pain points firsthand is kind of unparalleled uh, to any other form of feedback. That's wonderful. I'm so grateful, again, that we know you guys and we have a close relationship with you guys and that you guys are helping us, again, realize our vision, a renewed vision, a sharper vision, again, for us on the creator side and what we're trying to do. So to, if I may, like add my thing into the mix for next year, you know, is that Sincerely, as, as we've been discussing and trying to roll out SPI Pro, even though it's sort of been sort of quote unquote beta a little bit this year, is that, you know, from where I sit, community, especially now, is, I think, the new big thing and not in a gimmicky way. And community has always been there. It's just it's so transformed. It's not public social networks like you know, maybe Facebook anymore. It's about really finding and nurturing private conversations, aligning those more strategically to kind of your business model, what you sell or your expertise, right? And as always at, at SPI, you know, we try to genuinely embrace our responsibility of being role models. And we're just so excited to try to pay that forward next year and teach what we have learned and continue to learn by way of community and community building through our channels, through our platform, through our podcasts, you know, stuff like this, you know, Pat on the creator side, me on the business side, and, and hopefully just continue to not only inspire, but yes, yes, inspiration, but beyond just the inspiration piece, actually teach and train the whole world of creators, how important community is and, and how they can harness that opportunity for their own businesses. It's amazing. So that's us. <laughs> awesome. I am so grateful for you as, as always. 
for folks that are listening and still for some reason haven't checked out Circle, please, please do so. You can go to smartpassiveincome.com forward slash circle. Check them out. If you have questions, as always, you, know, you can let Pat or me know through our various social channels or just email into us. Guys, thank you again so very much. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey everyone, Matt again. We're back for the final leg of this super special episode focused on community and talking about Circle and exploring how we at SPI are deploying far more strategically community and its many different facets, not just the technology point of view, into the SPI business, into the SPI ecosystem, and how we see this being really the start of a, a brand new, very important chapter you know, for the, the SPI brand and business and, and where we want to go for years to come. Joining me now, tremendously thrilled to introduce you to the entirety of our community experience team. Our shorthand is the CX team. So joining me now is Jay, Jillian, and Mindy, who's actually our solutions manager, but she supports all facets of the business and plays a, an integral role in just about every piece of software and technology you know that we use, and as such was instrumental to getting SPI Pro up and running on Circle. And Jillian, I'll maybe throw it to you first because you came onto the team full time, uh, actually just after you know the launch of SPI Pro as our as our community manager. So we're thrilled to have you here. What were you thinking about coming in, you know, for the first time to our environment and how we were defining community based on your past experiences, you know, in the realm of community? Ooh, that's juicy. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. You know, coming in, it was it was interesting because I've run large open communities in my history. And those communities were housed on built, like custom built community platforms versus coming into a platform that was specifically designed just for community. So it was, it's been, I joke in the community that it's just a dream because one, we use a platform that it was specifically designed to house a community and was created by people who know community, which is refreshing because the last few roles I've been in, the community was built by a company that had a larger scope. And then because it's a niche community of professionals, of, you know, online entrepreneurs at various phases of business, it has just been so nice. I think, you know, the SBI team did such a good job of the concept of who the community is for, which is so important. We didn't cast the net super, super huge, but not super, super small. It's just that right middle ground uh, so it's been it's been amazing. I love I love our community. It's it's they're so fun to interact with. Excellent, Jay. Thank you again for you know joining this this crazy endeavor with us. So I I wanted Jillian to present sort of that context you know out of the gate here because you know when I pulled you into this thing I had a a working framework for what I thought you know would be a really attractive community and had done some research and talked to some folks and so Jay I'd love just sort of your insight you know from those early days reflecting back on that of like trying to trying to do this right, right? And be different and original and, and very invested in uh, a really authentic community. Yeah, similar to Jillian, when I, when I stepped in and I saw Circle for the first time, I just thought, finally, because I had literally been thinking about this hole in the marketplace for creators for such a long time. Creators were kind of bound to these pre-existing platforms that weren't really built for community, but 
people were using for a community. And this was a team coming from Teachable who knew the customer, they knew the pain point, they knew what the product needed to be. And I was just very, very excited to be early into being able to use the platform. And to Jillian's point, you, Matt, came with a very clear vision of who this is for and what part of the SPI audience this is really going to be a home for. And one of the things that we did really early on that was important was to think, well, how do we actually get those people in and make sure that we're matching that through an application process? And how do we make that application process also objective? So it's not just us saying, well, we pick you, we pick you, we pick you. We're filtering for the right fit and we're doing it in an objective way. So that was a big part of what we did and huge kudos to Mindy on helping make that not an extraordinarily manual process as we did it. And then the other thing that I'll say that I think we did really well, and I've seen future Circle communities take some inspiration from, is our onboarding, both from how we onboard people with email, within the app itself. I'm really proud of that experience, which I think is really important when you're bringing people into a space, even a physical space. Yeah, it's the classic but very essential advice that first impressions matter a ton, and especially with a new platform, people have to think about you know, adapting yet another new piece of software and normalizing to that and finding their way. We had those hurdles. And I guess I, I can say candidly, as I've said in the past, you know, that, that was something of a risk for us, right? You know, we, we didn't go with more established, you know, platforms that were out there. At the time when we made the decision, Circle was well inside its first year of life. And we had to work through a lot of stuff. And, and oftentimes for an early stage tech startup, even though they're very stable and very solid, like there's there's issues that we got to have to navigate through. And Mindy, you, you played a massive role in that, obviously, you know, from the application process that, that Jay was describing across so many other vectors of, you know, consideration. So if you can remember, what was your first memory or impression, you know, when, you know, it was probably me that came to you. It was like, hey, we're going to use this brand new thing. We're going to add a whole new piece to our tech stack, right? And we're going to do this crazy, awesome thing. Yeah, I knew community was coming, you know, a dedicated community. And so a lot of times you and Pat will come and bring me a platform. And (laughs) I think about it like, okay, let me figure out what is this and what are we going to do with it? So it's just really exciting to, to get into a product and start kicking around. And the joy... The joy for me is in the projects, like Jay mentioned, is like thinking about, okay, we want to take applications. We want a system where we can immediately tell this person is a good fit or maybe this person isn't ready yet, but then there's always going to be that middle ground. And so basically, I built a scoring system for our questions and that scoring system then sort of identifies that middle group of people we should look at we should look at manually and to me as we look at applications for example you know i'm always thinking about it as is this person sort of ready for our expectations of this group or is this person not quite ready for the expectations of this group and if they're not what are some resources that then we can offer you know in exchange to help that person get ready for this group and so i kind of think about all my little components that way i'll bring us back to the topic of membership management and payments cuz that that is a bit of a hornet's nest sometimes to you know to get right I want to say for a little bit first, though, just on the, ap- the application piece, because that was you know, a big decision for us. It was a weighty decision for us. We are a broader you know, community that tries very hard to be accepting and inclusive of you know, entrepreneurs from all walks of life. 
and and try very hard to you know be there for them. But I think we knew, and and I I believe it has panned out you know very well as, as a thoughtful and constructive decision to to put that application and ultimately you know turn people away. Jillian, I'll throw this to you. Like, what risks are there, and how and how have those risks maybe presented themselves or not by way of like upsetting the community, having people write in and be upset, like, hey, I didn't get in. Why? Like, have we seen any of that in terms of the the after effects of having an enrollment cycle? We have, we have. Not a lot, but a few people will write in that we don't accept. And I think there's a couple things that we could discuss here. Uh, one thing is looking at that and then adapting, pivoting. I think a big part of community is being, you know, listening and then pivoting to make the, like you're, you're constantly tweaking. There's never like, okay, guys, it's done. The community is set. We can walk away now, you know, so you're always, you're always looking at how to improve. So in SPI Pro, something that I always hear from people, members in it is that they feel safe. They feel safe that they can have the conversations, that they can be vulnerable about their business, and they're not worried about who can hear that. So I do think applications are good because you can, you know, there's a, there's a lot of looky-loo type things, at least in our business, because it's entrepreneurial. Um, a lot of, you know, we rely a lot on sales pitches and things like that. And so we've set up SPI Pro in a way that it's not salesy. The expectation is you're not here to get customers. And I think our application process helps with that a lot. And it's not perfect. I'm sure I'm sure we've rejected people and vice versa, accepted people that maybe weren't totally appropriate. And you see that in the churn. So in a way, if we, you know, quote unquote, reject someone from the community, it's not, it's more that we're saying, hey, you know what, this is not your best investment of time and money right now. And we have a whole sequence that is a very gentle, like, you're still part of our tribe and we appreciate you. But again, like, this isn't this isn't right for you right now. And so it's all in the messaging. And I think, too, having, I mean, this isn't sorority rush. Like, we're not trying to make people cry because our house is the best, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which may or may not be an experience I am all too familiar with. But it's not that. It's not a clicky, like, we're the best thing. It's a, like, we come from a place of, we want you to love this. Like we want you to be so happy you joined. And based on some of the information you've given us, you have to trust us when we tell you that this won't fill that void for you. And we want you to like grow as an entrepreneur as a result of the community. Like if you just show up and you're sort of at a party and having a good time, but you're not taking what you learn from the community back to a business and building it, then we've failed there too, you know? ROI, man, like I want that money that you pay each month to create sort of more in your business, more value, whether that's more revenue or just that you do things more efficiently or whatever. I want you to grow as an entrepreneur as a result of hanging around this group of people. It's matchmaking. We can analogize probably most things in life back to some dating metaphor. We want to be right for them at the right stage. And, you know, hopefully they're right for us at that stage. You know, safety is one of those major pillars to what, you know, what we're trying to foster here. And uh, I think we're doing pretty well. We have turned away, you know, a good number of folks, but, you know, I don't think like as a percentage or as a number like that, that has been very high. So I, I'm proud of what we have done and what all of you have done to, to try to genuinely kind of redirect, you know, folks into other, you know, SPI resources that might be more appropriate, more valuable for them, you know, kind of at that point in their journey. 
And Jay, to put it back in your court, like this again, I think reflects on your comment a moment ago around, we did have a, a very specific user in mind, like a, a particular entrepreneur at a particular point in his or her journey that we wanted to be able to invest a lot of time and resources in from our side, because it's a pretty significant you know, business investment, candidly, you know, from our side. You're right, it's about matchmaking. And we said from day one, when it comes to community, we are focused on connection. And we want to connect members to one another. That's where a lot of the growth and a lot of the ROI Mindy is talking about comes from, from entrepreneurs. You go to a place for a reason. What we're doing with our digital community, SPI Pro, is making that a beacon for entrepreneurs who are serious about their online businesses. And every decision we make is about sending that message. Even pricing is a message in its own way to say, this is an investment. And if you're not in a place in your business where you can make investments like this, then that's a signal that this might not be the right time for you to invest in a community like this. Everything that we do is about creating a space where people will connect with each other, get one another, and feel psychologically safe in the space. Absolutely. Uh, I'm thrilled to be investing a ton into this. I'm probably a broken record at this point you know, for saying so, but I'm so motivated and so bullish you know, on this space and, and the value that it can provide. And we're only just begun. You know, we we have plans next year in 2021 to hopefully hire more, you know, amazing people onto our CX team to continue to do, you know, brilliant new things, you know, things that don't exist right now, even, you know, within SPI Pro. So we have to get that match right. We have we have to declare boundaries, reinforce boundaries uh, in that very cathartic, helpful way. I think it's important to note as well, if I can chime in, if you have an online business, and it's all online and it's digital and you tell somebody what you do and they just kind of look at you like, what now? <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it can be a lonely, it can be a lonely place. And a lot of the existing communities are free. They're on big social networks. And it, it's just, you don't get the intimacy that that's provided in a group like this. I mean, I just have to like brag about our topic meetups. You know, we have these we have these calls and anybody in pro can join and like the financial ones, Matt hosts and people come and we we look at people's like finances. Like we it's really the like support that you would never get in say a Facebook group, you know. There was a period of time, Jillian, when I was starting my business that it was so difficult to connect with and explain it to people that when they said, What do you do? I said, I don't. <laughs> That's awesome. That's excellent. You raise a great vector of thought and conversation, Jillian. I feel that even as we talk about the language we use to describe what this community is, the word community itself is going through, I think, a remarkable transformation right now. And just the cognitive models that go off in people's heads when they hear the word community, what does that mean? What is it? What is it? What is it not? Right. And I think us in particular, we're, we're in that space and I'm glad to be in that space and, and hopefully contributing to the thought experiment that's happening online right now about like, what does that mean going forward? And then again, for the creators listening, you know, they're probably wrestling with similar questions of like, oh, I have a Facebook group right now. Do I need something like Circle? And we have a Facebook group. I mean, we, SPI has a large active Facebook group, but it just, for this specific purpose, this just, it wasn't the right platform. I think something important too, and especially for creators, because I, I mean, we all understand it. If you have your own business, every dollar you spend on platforms and software, you know, it adds up. And so Facebook has always been quite convenient as far as, oh, I can create a group. People are already here. It's free. And that is fine for a lot of communities, especially if you're really bootstrapping and, you know, your your market is thriving on Facebook. 
cool, you know, have a Facebook group, but be aware that tomorrow you could log in and Facebook could be like, yeah, we got rid of groups, you know, which is very unlikely, but they, the point is they could versus having a platform that is your, you know, branded dedicated thing. One, I think it looks more professional than a Facebook group, but also you have the the control, you are paying for that service and you don't have to pay thousands of dollars, but investing some money in something and being a customer in that sense, there's a saying that like if a product, you know, if a thing is free, you are the product. And that is very much Facebook. So it's just something to consider. And I, and I don't want to push people to go and purchase something if they are not in the position, but I think you should always have an exit plan if you do have a Facebook group. And if you've been around Smart Passive Income for a while, you know Pat has been saying that, you know, since the podcast started, which is own your platform in terms of that's why you need an email list is because that's a way to communicate directly with your folks. And when you have something like social media, you don't have a way to reach out to those people directly. Whereas like with Circle, we have the information for all of these people, you know, and we we can communicate directly. We can communicate in the Circle platform or we can communicate with those folks via email. And we do a lot of both. And so it's just as new technologies and new types of ways of sort of organizing your business come around, the core advice kind of always stays the same, which is make sure you own that direct contact with with your community, with your people. And to stack on top of that, I see the increasing importance of thinking about community and the platforms you use you know, for community, not just as a creative exercise, but as a business strategy, right? Because for us, at least, again, it's not you know, a business strategy in the sense that it's all about the money, but it is about like, this is a part of the business model. You know, it's more intimate. It's more inward to, you know, the the business model. People will discover SPI Pro after they have listened to Pat on a podcast, after they have read one of our, our featured blog articles or read one of our guides and books, right? And then at the right point in their journey, we invite them into this experience if they want to and they, and they can apply. So being very, very intentional with like where you place community like within your business plan and within your business model i see and i'm excited about it's actually probably one of the things i'm most excited about for other creators you know it's an avenue of business jay you're a creator yourself you have podcasts even you know on your own on the side so yeah how do you think about maybe the yeah that business vector of community going forward i think it's really important but i think you need to think about it as part of your business that you are investing in because it's going to become really tempting and feel really easy to use the word community as an add-on benefit to the thing that you're selling and think that that's going to work. And unfortunately, we can't stop this from happening. It's going to happen. A lot of people are going to do that, whether intentionally being a bad actor or not. And I think it's going to start to change the way people think about community and how they think about investing their own time and attention into communities. So if you are a creator and you're thinking about the importance of community, which is incredibly important because you are the lightning rod collecting like-minded people. And you have the ability to connect those people. So they think, ah, I found my people. These people get it. You can be that connective tissue for them by turning your audience into a community by creating these peer-to-peer connections. But you need to invest into that because if not, as people have bad experiences with community where the creator or the business is not actually making that space for them and making it a good experience for them, they're going to leave and they're going to go back to the places that are. And so that's what has been so compelling to me about SPI's vision for community, we're investing in the experience for the people. 
this is not just an add-on benefit to the course business model that we have. This is part of the business model to your point, Matt. And so we're investing in the experience of the people so that we're one of those communities that people come back to and say, if I'm going to put time anywhere, it's going to be here. Yep. And increasingly for the vision of the business, the community is at the center. It's, uh, I've described it as the beating heart of the business. It is the thing that over time, you know, it will likely supersede all the other revenue streams, you know, for our business. And I'm proud to say that because, you know, this is something we see as not just, yeah, a, a fad this year, even a fad next year because of, you know, coming out of the pandemic eventually, right? You know, this is, this is a strategic vision and I guess there, therefore a strategic bet that, you know, this is the long haul, you know, this is, this is the next decade. But I do think that a lot of the market shifts and business dynamics are, are all pointing sort of in this direction. And again, it, it aligns up with our, our ethos and our value set. So, you know, we're going to go there and we're going to invest a ton of goodwill, a ton of energy, a ton of resources, you know, into community for us. But for folks listening that, again, still maybe haven't checked out Circle, learn more about the platform and how we use it, go to smartpassiveincome.com forward slash circle. And if you haven't maybe studied up on just SPI Pro and what we're doing there and, you know, why it exists and, and the sort of entrepreneur that, you know, again, matchmaking-wise, you know, we're, we're really excited to, to serve in, in that way, you can go to smartpassiveincome.com forward slash pro. But I will maybe throw it around the horn quickly for maybe a parting thought from everybody. Jillian, I'll start with you. Sure. I would say anybody who is considering creating a community or expanding in a community go spend time in a similar community. Like if you want to have a community, you need to spend some time in other communities to see how they run, to see what you like, to see what you don't like, and really look at whoever's running it, how much participation they have, and let that kind of help you determine, is this something I have the time and the spirit for? And to add on to that, my parting thought would be a word of caution and also an opportunity for you potential community creators out there. When you get into the business of creating community, understand that the experience, the product that you're creating is largely out of your hands. If you're not just holding space and making people feel safe and feel like they want to be there, you can't by yourself drive a thriving community. You need to have people there who are enjoying the experience. You need to cultivate that. So to Jillian's point, it is a large time investment to get that going and you have to come into it with the right intentions or it won't happen. I think I would say if you are taking applications for a community, really approach the process from a sense of kindness because someone is making themselves vulnerable by saying, I would like to join your thing. <laughs> and if they aren't a good fit, remember that that is what they are. They are not the right fit right now. And so it's not that they're bad for your community. It's that they're not the right fit for your community right now. And when you communicate that, be sure to offer something in return. So approach it with the person that way is I don't think you're the right fit right now. And here's something that might help you get to the point where you could be the right fit for us. Love that. Love all of that. For all of you creators out there that are listening to this very special episode, you know, on the Smart Passive Income podcast, you know, thanks for spending the, the time for uh, this bonus and, and longer episode. Uh, we've had a lot of fun putting this together. If you have questions about community, and maybe this is a, a big part of 
you know, your vision for the year and you have questions, you know, find Pat on social, you can find me on LinkedIn, Matt Gartland, easy to find if you search for it. We'd love to help you. It's going to be a big part of our future. We're excited to hear from you and support you with your community endeavors. So good luck, have fun with this, and we'll talk again soon. All right, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Actually, a very unique episode with three different parts, three different segments, a lot of people. Matt, that was super fun. I, th- I think we got to do this again for a whole bunch of other things because we we definitely go deep for sure in this one. I hope so. Yeah, I think being able to explore really strategic kind of cornerstone elements you know, of online business from different vectors, from different directions, get other voices involved from our team, you know, from the outside, from some of our partners is a, a special opportunity. So uh, it was exciting and thrilling about to put this one together. And I do hope that we do more of these. For sure. And if you want to learn more about Circle, I'd highly recommend this is our affiliate link. So we do get a kickback at no extra cost to you. And again, if you have any questions about Circle, you can let us know smartpassiveincome.com slash circle. Once again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash circle. We also have a really fun training and webinar with the Circle team happening on February 10th and 11th. smartpassiveincome.com slash webinars is where you can go to sign up for that. And if you go there, even in the future after that training is over, then you'll see other trainings that exist around that time whenever you go. So again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash webinars. And finally, just again, it's all about connection. And we're really excited to connect with you, whether you are an SPI Pro member or not. If you're interested in applying, again, all the links on the show notes page will have all that available to you there. So just to finish off, Matt, any final thoughts about community and just kind of something for people to think about as we finish up? Yeah, a a few concluding thoughts here that kind of connect together. One is that for me, as I study the internet and Pat talk with you and think about, you know, where we want to be in two to even three years SPI wise, there seems to be a really important distinction forming between audience and community. To me, those terms are not synonymous. When we talk about audience building at large, that is the whole pie. Community is an overlapping circle on top of that, but it is, again, at least in my definition and point of view, its own distinct thing. Because as we invite people closer inside, as we try to support and protect a safe space, as we try to potentially you know, foster different forms of you know, tighter, more cohort-based experiences, that to me is community. And that connects in, I guess, with my second point, which is, you know, I fervently believe that the future for us, for certain, you know, is community first. Is that, you know, not only is this a you know, a nice thing to talk about, but truly the members and the subscription revenue, you know, when we talk about just, you know, the inner workings of, of a business, you know, this is the new cornerstone or, or beating heart of our business model with great purpose and great intentionality. What I find fascinating, you know, for from a business standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from just the internet, you know, is now like what is possible and, and seeing where, you know, a lot of demand and energy is moving toward seems to be in this space. So for, you know, the creators that are listening, again, I, I so very much hope that, you know, this is at least sparking up curiosity, like, like, please learn more. This could be a pretty big game changer for the future of your business. Absolutely. And if you want to learn more and join us on that training with the Circle team, you can check that out again. That's happening on February 10th and 11th at smartpassiveincome.com slash webinars. Again, smartpassiveincome.com slash webinars. And in case you're curious about pro, if you're like, oh, what does that even look like? What's the application process like? You can check out smartpassiveincome.com slash pro. Matt, Thanks so much for the time. Appreciate you. Appreciate you for listening. And we wish you all the best. Take care. Bye.